This episode of Popcorn Poops is brought to you by Audible.com. Please visit audibletrial.com slash popcornpoops for a 30-day trial of their audiobook subscription service. When you sign up, you'll even receive a free audiobook that's yours to keep whether or not you continue with Audible after your trial has expired. That's audibletrial.com slash popcornpoops for your free audiobook. We are the Popcorn Poops. Welcome to Popcorn Poops, the best married couple movie podcast slash commentary track hybrid audio program on the internet. My name is Dustin, and with me, as always, and per usual, is my wife, Jessica. Say hello, Jessica. Hello. How was your birthday? It was a good birthday. Did you get anything for your birthday? Yeah, you got me Game of Thrones. Yes, season five. The new Blu-ray, and you got me... Um, the second X-Files movie. That's right, because it was cheap at the big lots. <laughs> so I guess we'll do that at some point. I'm the best husband. Yes, we definitely will. We'll probably do like a sequel month or something like that, and we'll do the second X-Files movie, because it's we watched the new season and kind of enjoyed that about like 40%. About 40%. About 30, 35%, 40% of the, the new, and that's six episodes, so that's actually not that good. New season wasn't that good. <laughs> no, that wasn't that good. <laughs> but, but there were a couple good episodes. There were a, there couple, were a couple good episodes. Good. It was enough to totally watch it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, we'll, um, definitely in the future we'll be doing the second um, X-Files movie that neither one of us has actually seen. But, now but I've heard it's really bad. But yeah, yeah. So looking forward to Billy Connolly being a pedophile that's all i know about that movie is there's snow and billy Connolly's a pedophile hmm. so we have that to look forward to as always you can find us on our website at popcornpoops.com you can subscribe to us on itunes or stitcher that's of course where you can get the show and you can follow us on social media on twitter at popcorn poops and also on facebook you can like our page our personal twitter accounts are at dusty cram cram and i'm at j casper kramer that's right and uh, social media is where you can find all the updates and announcements about the show including our weekly movie still identification game which is a whole hell of a lot of fun so if you want to uh, participate in that please uh follow us on facebook uh or twitter um you can also shop for stuff on our website we have like a few things in a in a little merch store a little spread shirt store and if you want to show your poo pride as as we say if you want to um to uh, showcase your your pooplingness if you want to show the world how much of a good poopling you are, then you can uh, wear something to um, to dress yourself with uh, because you don't want to go out into the world naked. So why not wear a shirt that says poop on it? You know, right, that's yeah. ideal, really. And if you don't want to do any of that stuff, you can just, you know, throw us hard, you know, cold, hard cash. If that's a thing that you're into. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of different fetishes out there. We do have the internet that has kind of brought a lot of these to light. If one of <laughs> yours is to give your money to strangers who, mm, yeah. whether or not they really deserve it is mm-hmm. totally yeah. arguable and debatable, uh, we do have a donate button on the website. So you can kind of get your rocks off there if that's your thing. But, you know, we're not judging. Uh, this month, of course, our theme is hashtag 1987 month in celebration of your birthday that just passed this week. And today we will be watching, I don't know why I did this. We're, we're watching Jim Murrow's 1987, of course, film Street Trash. Um, this is going to be an interesting episode and uh, we will we'll get into it shortly. If you would like to sync this episode this podcast with the movie as you can do with all of our episodes you're going to want to go ahead and start the film and then press pause as soon as the title card reading chaos production presents when that cuts to black as quick as you can press pause and that'll sync you up to us and we'll uh, count down here in a second and get the movie started but first 
I believe we have a review. Oh, we do. To read from where? Where did it come from? From Stitcher. Okay, go ahead. And the review is from MegafangKing23. And it says, funny, educating, and entertaining. This podcast will both entertain and teach you. The host is a married couple who have great chemistry and are very knowledgeable in the fields of writing, film, and the thematic arts. Furthermore, they are no slackers when it comes to researching the films they commentate on. Wait till you hear this one. Oh, good. Great. <laughs> Perfect episode, Megafane. There is always a piece of juicy, obscure trivia they share about the movies they base their episodes on. Poop may be in the title, but the content is far from it. Oh, that's very clever. It is clever, but my favorite thing about this review is the use of the Oxford comma. Ah, so. not the fact that it is a five-star review? Well, also, that's fantastic. Top two. Top two uh, aspects of this review. Five stars, Oxford comma. Yeah. You nailed it, Megafane King 23. And thank you very much for that review. If you would like to re- uh, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, we will read it on the show, even if it's not a five-star review. Even if it doesn't have the Oxford comment. Even if... You, <laughs> really? <laughs> well, uh, it might sound funny if it doesn't have the Oxford comma. I won't know where to pause. Yes, exactly. You know. So and, anyway, so for, for, for breakfast this morning, I had bacon, eggs, and toast. <laughs> right? Your name is Eggs and Toast? Ba- oh, no. I'm sorry. Oxford. Bacon, Eggs, and Toast. There we go. Right, See, the, yeah. And that's the importance of the of the Oxford comma. If you would like to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, we will read it on the show, even if it's not a five-star review, but we really like the five-star. So keep that in mind, but also be honest, because that's the most important thing in life. Is it? Let's start. I thought it was giving money to strangers. <laughs> oh, there's, also, there's also that, but only if it gives you a very solid erection. <laughs> Let's start this fucking movie, okay? (laughs) Sinkers, press play at the beep after the countdown. Ready? Three, two, one. Street Trash. Look at there it is. There it is. There's the title. So. 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 Can I I ask you why you picked this movie for my birthday month? Um, As a present to me for my birthday? It was not as a slight to you, even though I do appreciate the Evil Dead camera work that's going on right here. This movie does have a bit of a nice camera work, uh, courtesy of um, Jim Murrow uh, or James Murrow, uh, the guy who directed this. It's the only feature film he's ever directed. He's got a bunch of credits as camera operator, especially mm. steady cam operator in Hollywood. Um, there is a good amount of steady cam in this movie. I don't know if he, I, I, I think he probably didn't operate his own steady cam in this, but maybe he did. Who knows? But that's the thing he so does. So he's a good camera guy sure, then. Sure, sure. And he made a movie. So, yep. The camera works good in this. Um, <laughs> the reason I picked this, to get back to that, the reason I picked Street Trash, hmm. Well, okay. Oh, look. The fart in the face. Gosh. The farts kind of slow down. We, we, get a, we get a few farts. And if you listen, I think that's actually part of the soundtrack. Oh, yeah? The yeah. fart is think, part of I the think soundtrack? They, they incorporate the fart into the soundtrack uh-huh. so that it kind of becomes diegetic, as music does, you know, like mm. incidental music. Mm-hmm. Um, these are incidental farts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> incidental farts. That's probably a, the best adjective for a fart that I've ever heard. I have a friend at work named Webb. This goes out to Webb. This is dedicated to, to you, Webbright, if you're listening to this. Uh, th- he is the reason that I picked this movie. I talked to him about all the shitty movies that you and I watch, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean, we watch a lot of them. We watch a lot of shitty movies. And, Intentionally. Uh, like, it's our choice to do so. And one day he asked me, and, and honest to God, I had never heard of this movie until one day he mentions this movie Street Trash to me. 
And he's like, oh, you've never heard of this? It's terrible. It's awful. It's like there's all this terrible shit in it. It's so offensive, like intentionally so. I'm like, man, I I look it up. And sure enough, all these things he's saying about this movie are true. And I'm like, I've got to see this thing. This is like, this This seems like the ultimate garbage 80s schlock fest. No pun right? intended, right with the garbage. No, Well, right, there you go. See? You know comedy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're a regular Abbott and or Costello, I guess. Sure. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'd never actually seen this movie until I just just decided i said we're gonna do this on the show even though i've never seen it before and then we watched it and i immediately thought "Mm, this is not gonna make a very good episode (laughs) so i'm apologizing Ah, i'm apologizing right at the top yeah we've got some right here we're in the first like three minutes of the movie and we've got and boobs bush dick we got a dick coming down flopping down the stairs here yeah um and it kind of, like, I would say that that at least primes you for the kind of movie that you're getting into a Even little bit. Even if I bit. was running out of a burning building, I would probably find pants. I'd try to. I'd try. What I'd at least your, try to find pants. What if your pants were on fire? Well, then I wouldn't have pants. But their their pants were not on fire. That Chan- room was not are, on chances fire. Chances are, if your pants were on fire, you were lying to someone. Right? Anyways, Be- so... liar... Yeah, so Liar. like first yeah, okay. first um first 5 minutes in the movie, we've got a fart in the face. Yeah. We've got you Sure do. I mean, that's not even 5 minutes. That's like 30 seconds into the movie. Oh, we've, we've got, got a we fart got a, in the we face. We got a fart in the face. We've got um you know, boobs, An bush, overweight man at least farts it, into at a least homeless man's kind of, face. Yeah, at least the um the the nudity is is kind of um Egalitarian. There's an egalitarian. Oh no, I totally nudity, nudity does not bother me. It doesn't bother me whatsoever. at all. But when, but when, and I prefer it when it's egalitarian sure, nudity. So sure, but um, yeah, this movie kind of makes a victim of everybody, doesn't it? It does. It certainly does. Um, I would say that every well, the 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 screenwriter of this, um, what is his name? Dear sweet Roy Frumkus. I mean, if we were being real, though, and we were saying, like, this movie makes a victim of everyone, then we probably would need to have a guy who's gang raped to death in the movie. Right, right. Well, okay, and that and that's what I was just about to say. The, the writer of this, Roy Frumkus, said that he wrote this to, quote, democratically offend every group on the planet. And uh, my comment to that after watching this is every group except white men? You say that, but I mean... Most of the characters in this movie are white men, and they are all horrible people. That's true. That's true. But I think that's only by virtue of the fact that it's just, it's, I mean, it's heavy with white male actors. And anybody who's not a white male actor gets absolutely shit on in the movie. Like, absolutely shit on. Like, not that there's not a couple of like one or two white male actors here or there that get sh- I mean they shit that they they all them. get shit on too they get their dicks chopped off they get It's a math problem though. It's a math problem. If you think about it it's a math, and I I don't want to I don't want to make this, you know, political. We're talking about fucking street trash, okay? <laughs> so I I just feel like this movie my biggest problem with this movie and we will get into it is that it is not just joyful fun schlock. It's mean. Well, and you, and you know the the director is that who you said said that he was trying to offend everybody. No, the, the writer, the writer. Yeah. But I mean, like, they really don't offend everybody. They offend 
women in yeah. general. They offend uh, African Americans specifically, and perhaps Asian Americans. Oh, definitely Asian Americans. No, no, no. Dude. But I'm trying. I'm trying to say, like, I mean, but that's it, though, right? Right. As far as like who and is, and, and possibly, I mean, we could say they're offending white men too. If we're talking about also who horrible is, things happen. To who them. is pointedly and specifically victimized throughout the film? You're talking about individual groups that get called out you're talking about well and i'm and i'm just saying there are a lot of other groups besides those three. Oh yeah oh right well right so that's what you're saying oh i get what you're you're getting at the writer is did a poor job of offending every group on the planet because he didn't represent enough groups and shit upon them right no but but i'm saying really though because you're saying you're trying to offend everybody and i'm like no actually you just offended these three groups like right. Okay. so right on right on um but yeah i i would say that that the people the the people who are the worst people in this movie are without a doubt white men definitely right but i don't think that they get shit upon as much as the other groups kind of i mean if point. you're making if you're making a point though you know i mean they're the ones who do horrible things to all the other groups yeah. in the movie so you know it's kind of i i guess it's True. That. True. true to <laughs> it's true reality. to life. I don't know. I don't know. Um, this movie is is the opposite of. There, I mean, it, this movie is not trying to be political whatsoever. I w- there are moments in the movie when I'm like, is it trying to say something about like homelessness? Is it trying to make a point? But I don't about, think so. About you know how society victimizes people who are homeless and. Is it saying something about veterans? I don't know. I just... I mean, I was thinking that at first in the movie. I thought that's where this was going. I thought it was kind of like a risque art project kind of thing. But then by the end when we've got dicks flying around and stuff, I'm just oh, like, Jesus. no, it's just it's just stupid. It's just a stupid movie. I will say, though, this movie did um, give give uh, acting credits to a number of disabled actors, which is really cool. That is, that is, that is so, true. But it's, I mean, it, it, we did, but in there an was exploitative kind of, this, kind of way. It, absolutely. It's exploitative because you've got this, and specifically in this, like, um, uh, I guess it's a, a dolly shot. It's There's this kind of dolly shot that goes along the sidewalk as our main character, Fred, is walking down the sidewalk. And you see some people with some deformities and some disabilities and things like that. And it, it immediately called to mind, you know, the the type of exploitation that you'd see in, you know, for example, Todd Browning's Freaks from 1932. Well, what came to my mind was um, I just, <clears throat> I'm very far behind in most TV. The way I watch TV is that I never watch it when it's actually on. I just wait until... Isn't that what everybody does now? Everybody just waits till it's on sure, Netflix. Marathon, and, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't like to have to wait for a whole season. I just want to watch it right then. So, so when I feel like going back to it, I go back to American Horror Story, which I've tried to get you to watch with me, and you just hate too much. So, um, I can deal with what I hate of it. Uh, it is so try hard. I'm sorry. <laughs> we won't get into you, all of you, that. You, you got me right to watch now. the first episode of Coven. Coven. Well, because Co- everybody said it was the best one. Yeah. The, and the I watched the Coven first one. episode of the of that, and I was just everything about it screamed try hard. The writing. I the mean, yeah, it work, is try hard, but the, the performances it, for for a girl who likes horror, there just aren't that many options of horror TV shows out there specifically. So. Anyways, and Walking Dead is boring as shit. Yeah, we've we keep stopping and starting. Oh on yeah, that we show. we've we have watched every season. Uh, we uh, we've watched the uh, up to the third season, right? Third or fourth? I don't Did remember. we get through? 
Uh, but every single season we've watched, we've stopped precisely halfway through and just stopped watching it for like months and months and then said, uh, we got to power through this season to get to the next one. Maybe the next season's better. Nope. <laughs> Anyways, um, back to American Horror Story, which is what I was trying to talk about, was that uh, I just started the Freaks. The Is that what it's called? Freaks? Or I guess. Fre- uh, whatever the Freaks circus. Is- yeah. The, yeah. The, car- the carnival one. Um, and I just started that season and, and I had the same kind of thought as I had while I was watching this, where I was like, oh, wow. So I guess they actually did employ some people who are disabled or have deformities or whatever. But then I thought about it and I was like, but it's a season about fucking freak it's show. Exploitation. So- like you're, you're talking about like, oh, how good of them to employ people that you, that, that can't get employed any other way because they're just deformed. So we'll exploit their deformities like that i don't know that's and not that but i do have a problem with it because not that there isn't a play it's not like freak shows aren't for real it's not like that shit didn't and doesn't still really exist so so there is a place and a way to talk about those things and employ those people's in those people in in you know uh, ways that are talking about those things, but of course, American Horror Story is just one of those shows where it's like trying to be as yeah, risky I mean, as it possibly you, you can, can be. Of course, you can, and you can mention like the autonomy of the actors to to make the decision. Right, to absolutely, be, you absolutely can. But at the same time, you just also just like it's a woman's choice to go on screen and and show her her bush for no reason. Right, like, exactly. But you also have to consider what opportunities do they have outside of those that that yeah. may make them feel like they're forced into exploiting themselves like I, I don't know i think it's the the environment i think it's the atmosphere of that type of employment and that type you know that's just how it is but yeah so this movie has a lot of that and take it for what you will i guess um so we've got a we've got our first death coming up right here in this the movie. is the best part of the movie not Absolutely. this scene specifically but, but the storyline yes, the the viper so they're what is the drink called it's called something Vi- viper i think something you're right. fly venafly venafly viper or something i don't remember the whole name and it's this this liquor that this liquor store owner found in the basement and of it had his gone shop bad like 60 years like, ago like buried or into a wall yeah, and it had gone bad like forever ago, many decades ago. And he pulls it out and he's like, oh, a discount. I'll sell it for a dollar a bottle. And of course, what we have right now going on is this fantastic melting scene. Um, and at this point in the movie, I look at this and I oh, say, beautiful. Holy shit. And he gets. I've never seen gore quite like this. I've never it's seen. It's so colorful. I've never seen gore this colorful. And at this point. I'm in. He's like, flushing I see this. himself into a toilet. Yeah. He is that because he's, he's melting, melting he is flushing himself down a toilet. In an abandoned, torn down building, he was like sitting on the toilet to not to poop. And this but, scene this, but this scene right here is the, the alcohol. Is the um the poster for the And for this the movie. is cool too. The like rushing through the, the garbage oh, and yeah, the, very and evil the um up to the toilet. And oh, it's awesome. awesome. Awesome face in the toilet coming out, rubber. And his fucking bubbling hand face. like wrapped around the flush chain. Very cool. Very cool. And that part of the movie, it's it's really hard for me because it's like on one hand, I'm just like, I don't want to watch this movie. This is stupid. 
if it's trying to say something, it's trying to say something obviously in that kind of way that I hate when people like when people are trying to be artsy, when they're trying to be like, um, you know, I'm doing something on the edge to point out this right. whatever. And you're just like, no, you're just making a bad movie that's boring. And most of this movie, I think, is boring and bad. Um, but then there are these moments in this movie where where we've got some really fantastic gore. Oh, yeah. Um, I it's mean, that's just the not thing, enough of the movie, though. I haven't, I haven't seen the short film that this is based on, but apparently there was a short film that Jim Murrow made, and... I would assume that the short film is just about the Viper liquor because everything else in this movie that doesn't have anything to do with the Viper liquor feels completely like filler. And like padding. this, like this whole relationship right here. Okay, So you've got this storyline here between this woman, Wendy, who works in a junkyard and there are a couple of homeless brothers, one of which is Fred that we met already. And then his brother, I don't know this character's name, but it's in my notes somewhere. Um, and Wendy and this kid have a sort of like, it's, she's not his mother, but it's kind of a mother son type relationship. She's kind Except of a Except that then parent. she decides to fuck him. She, yeah. She's kind of a foster parent, but then, you know, they, they even in the movie, they mention Oedipus, they mention mm-hmm. this Oedipal thing that's kind of happening between them. And then eventually she does decide to fuck him. But yeah, it's, you know, it's just. It's another it's another ploy in the movie to establish something uh, so that then they can turn around and try to offend the audience with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fine. But I, I mean, I, I don't find again, we've already mentioned Game of Thrones in this episode. We watch fucking Game of Thrones. We live in the world where you can turn on your TV and see a brother and a sister fucking doggy style. Right. Yeah. Repeatedly. Straight up. Straight up. So. That doesn't. Really if you turn on to so the right much. episode, you can watch a brother raping a sister, which is just great. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. But anyway. the point the point is is that like at this point, going back and watching this thing where you're not really quite sure how old she is, you're not really quite sure how old the kid is. Uh, one thing's for sure: when she takes off his shirt later in the movie, that kid can't grow a body hair below the nose. That is, that is very clear. Um and. And so there there definitely is that, like, hmm, he's maybe a little too young for her. And then, like, all the comments about the fact that she's mothering him. So, like, yeah, it's gross. But at the same time, is it really that big of a deal? Because, I mean, maybe he's probably over 18 and she's not that old. She's got to be I mean, in her 20s. Now, now that I think about it, like, I know that they don't really go for it in this. Like, because... The age thing is a little ambiguous, but that's the that's the one thing, the one big thing they don't really go for in this movie is just pedophilia. Yeah, true. But I think that they're trying. They're trying to. with this, but that's not. It's not obvious enough um, because we have no context for how old these people they don't, really they are. Don't, they don't go for like straight up incest. They don't do any. I mean, and for the time, um, they even have some like uh, some homosexual slurs, like some mm-hmm, some yeah. yeah in this movie but they don't really go for anything that's like shocking like oh look at these gay people having sex yeah which you would expect from a movie from a like movie this. in 1987 it's like look how shocking and crazy this is I mean is. instead what they do is they have this really overweight guy try to rape this asian american woman 
repeatedly. And they play it for laughs. Yeah, and it's, it's supposed to be funny when he pretends to have a heart attack and die on top of her while trying to rape her. And that's supposed to be funny. Ha ha. And it's just not. Like, instead, it's just gross. And that's kind of how most of this movie feels, is it's like, mm, this is just gross. Which I guess is his point. He wants you to be grossed out. He wants you to be offended by it. I'm think, not really think, offended, though. I'm I just... Think this char- I think this character, what's his name? Is his name Stinky or something like that? Um, he's a funny character, actually. I like him. I, think I like he's, him. He's probably my favorite character. Uh, is like, he the only black guy in the movie? No, the guy, the guy he, the the black guy that. Works oh yeah, in the, the one store. at the grocery store, right? And they kind of pointed which out, which might they have be that. my favorite scene. I, yeah, I think it's the most like thought out scene in the movie. Yeah. Um, later, this guy's this character's going to go to a grocery store, and and it's the it's the one scene that seems to actually be commenting on something real uh-huh. you know what i mean yeah um because the, the crux of the entire scene is that this guy's in the grocery store like shoplifting and stuffing his pants full of chicken and right stuff. and he's putting raw chicken in his pants and that's kind of funny and the manager's black and he kind of you know he kind of accuses the manager of not siding with him because right. he's black too mm-hmm. um and i you know they're, they're 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 speaking obviously about the movie is making an attempt at least at speaking about like um uh success and wealth disparity mm-hmm. within a, a race construct. Right. Um, so that's, I mean, that's real. So I don't know, I guess. But I feel like most of the movie. So when you say it's the of, most thought out, like it's the most thoughtful part of the movie, I think that you're probably right. Yeah, I think so. Um, there's a lot of stuff like this though, right? Where we've got His name this. Is Wizzy. We've got this weird conversation between this one homeless guy and this guy who runs Francis the liquor Ford store. Coppola looking motherfucker. And they just, there are just a lot of these pointless conversations like this where it's not funny, it's not saying anything important. You, it would be difficult to summarize the conversation, even. It's just like they're talking oh, no. about. I mean, most of this movie doesn't have any narrative thrust. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the closest thing that you, there are two kind of narrative lines through the movie that don't really intersect until the very end. I guess three. Kind of, and they're all based on relationships. Really, it's it's hard to say. It's like you've got the Viper thing, which isn't even really a story. It's just like whoever gets their hands on Viper and drinks it, they die. Yeah, and that's pretty much or it. Or maybe they're gonna get it stolen from them, and then that person will die. Right, exactly, and that's pretty much how it goes. Or they'll drip on somebody. Right, right? When um, they're like this guy's about to do. Um, and then there's uh, then there's the Bronson character, who's the Vietnam vet. Bronson. Oh yeah, he's, he's like the the ringleader of the homeless yeah, guys who live like in the, the in king the of, yeah king of the junkyard, and he carries around a human bone that he's shaved down to like a, a shank mm-hmm. or something. Uh, very Mad Max kind of character. Yeah, um, that's all I could think when when I. And then there's the cop whose storyline just ends because they're done with it. Oh, that's right. There's the yeah the cop storyline who's just like sort supposed of to be. I mean, and they go to all the trouble to like tell you his backstory and stuff and like where he moved from and whatever. And then there's there's kind of Fred and his brother, but I didn't really get. I didn't even know and that those they were brothers the till like the very end of the movie. Those are the two homeless guys who live in the tire house. Who the the Asian American woman Wendy um, Wendy is, yeah is like kind sort of, of raising mothering. or taking mothering. At but least I mean, the older the brother's one. like way like he's definitely her age, if not older than yeah, her. It's I weird. Know. I don't know. Um, and then you've got their story. Wendy oh, here's and the kid. cop. 
Yeah. Oh, we missed we missed another good gore moment too. We passed it by when they were doing the car wash. The homeless people were doing the car wash at the at the stoplights. Yeah. Like every oh, time oh, people yeah, would, yeah. When, when would pull up to up. stop. Yeah, everyone every time people would pull up to stop at the stoplight, the homeless people would come out and start washing the cars, I guess in hopes of getting some kind of tip. Um and Bronson comes over, who's the like ringleader of the the junkyard. He comes over and starts not washing the car, just kind of touching stuff on it. And the passenger girl starts freaking out about he's touching the car. And the driver tries to be nice to Bronson and says something about getting to shoot guns like you guys got to shoot. I guess referring to. Um, the war. It has to be Vietnam. Yeah, I guess. Right? It, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, what else could it be at that point? It wouldn't. It could be the Korean War, but I think it's Vietnam. Um, just the way Bronson looks, it it feels like it's a ref. And and when we get the flashbacks and stuff, that feels like Vietnam flashbacks. Um, and so Bronson, like, I don't know, bashes the guy's head through the windshield and stuff. Yeah, and it's pretty nice and gory. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Um, there, there is, there is definitely, and I said Here's this before, another good melting moment. there is definitely a joy to the violence in this movie, to the gore specifically. Uh, you just don't see like this crazy technicolor gore. You just, you just, yeah. Don't. And it is technicolor. Like this guy who's this melting guy right, right here, now is, is melting yellow. So the guy that just got dripped on, that is the screenwriter and the oh, producer, Roy Frumkus. Um, but yeah, so he gets dripped on and he dies. And and that's the thing. We have two kills at the top. Well, unless you count the guy that Bronson kills. We have two viper deaths. like the Two viper deaths and then two other kills right at the top. The car and then this guy right here. This guy dies. This guy does. So we've got this. And then there's just a drought. Yep. For, for like, the, like the most of the movie. Yeah, for like 45 minutes. For the next yeah. 45 minutes... So enjoy it's your just, gore right it's now. It's just a bunch of random shit that happens. It feels like it honestly, it kind of feels like Richard Linklater's slacker, which is, I don't mean to make that comparison uh to, to I don't mean to demean Richard Linklater's film at all by that comparison, but it does kind of feel like this movie takes place in vignettes where we follow one character for a little while and then they just kind of disappear and it didn't really matter that we followed them at all like it doesn't have any effect on the story um and then eventually characters end up coming back around i don't know it's weird i feel like the cast of this movie is too big like there are too many characters there's too many things they're trying to do too many things and most of the things they're trying to do don't make sense or don't matter in any kind of significant way they're mostly just setups to to do something gross or shocking or terrible. Right. So like that scene where we had the we had the guy drink the viper and then the viper melts him. Awesome moment. He gets all gooey. There's a kitty sitting on the fire escape with him and the kitty runs away when he starts melting. Right. Um and then he he drips through the fire escape onto some person walking beneath and the guy gets it on his face and I guess the goo is also acidic and starts sure. melting his face. Alien rules. Um and and the guy runs off and all these people follow him as he like collapses on the ground and his face is melting off. And um, and the cop guy who we're going to follow around comes over and and he starts like 
like saying this woman's standing there going why aren't you helping him why aren't you helping and he's like lady i can only take one person at a time and she's like because he's male because some other guy was trying to talk to him because he was male i guess and so she like accuses him of sexism i guess um and then she says you're the type to pull me over just so you can rape me or something like that out of the blue and he's like baby i assume you don't have a cunt and it's just like, what does this conversation... And this is all happening while the guy's face is melting. And you're like, this is very w- weird. It's There is a feeling to this movie that is almost fantasy. It it does feel... It, or sci-fi or something. Yeah, it does feel weirdly kind of recently apocalyptic. Like, as yeah. far as, like, post-apocalyptic is concerned, like, recently apocalyptic. Like, like something terrible has happened and... People just law don't care as matter. much. Like, law doesn't work the we, same. We have a police officer who is maybe the worst police officer. I mean, he's standing there. He's standing there while the guy's face is melting and is just talking to the people around him. Like, who who did this? Like, what did you see anything? And and it's like, what? This isn't law. My brain can't process this. My brain is sitting there going, "There's a person whose face is melting who's still alive." You're the cop. You're you help the person whose face is melting, who's still alive, and like the laws of this world aren't like that. They just have a conversation next to him instead that turns into accusations about rape. <laughs> I'm sorry, and I, stuff. I like that. There was a little physical performance there where Bronson throws that old guy down on the ground, and he just kind of backs up and like puts his feet up and starts twiddling his thumbs, like I didn't do, I didn't do nothing. Nice little nice little performance there. But yeah, Bronson's an asshole, a super asshole, and. You know, I don't. I don't have a problem with, and this is a something that that I think we've talked about on the show before. Uh, how can you tell the difference between whether your movie is misogynistic or whether a character in your movie is misogynistic? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, Bronson is obviously a misogynist. He beats the woman that he is, I guess, committed to, mm-hmm. or whatever. But I mean, the thing is, is that most of the characters are misogynist in this movie, if not all of them. Exactly. Like So that's where you start. I don't think there's a single character in this movie that isn't a reprehensible human being. I don't think anyone has a moral compass, and that could be the point, but there's also this weirdness around how the movie frames certain events that happen to certain characters. Um, the violence against women in this movie is is particularly. Actually, I was talking to to Webb, who is the reason that we're <laughs> we're. Uh, thanks, Webb. Thanks, Webb. Appreciate it. Um, the reason we're watching this, uh, and the thing I was telling him was, you know, you've got a scene later in the movie where uh, it's kind of a apparently an infamous scene, like a scene that was cut out of like international versions of the movie, where a guy is pissing and someone, and I guess it's Bronson cuts off his dick and they right. start throwing the penis around. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, that's that's sexual violence toward men. Well, think about how that, that moment's framed and we'll see it here in a little bit. There's like Benny, Benny Hill style music mm-hmm. playing. Yeah. Like yakety sax while they're tossing this penis around. Compare that to the scene, probably the worst scene and the hardest scene to watch for me in the movie and that's the scene where uh this drunk woman gets dragged goes away home with with this guy right here goes home with, with fred the older here brother. to the tire house um and she's too drunk to know who she's with and she is horny and wants to have sex so he takes her back to have sex with her and she like he gets knocked out or he falls over and all of these homeless people kind of crowd around the house like zombies mm-hmm and they drag her out 
to and take her away to be raped to death. Right. There's no yak in if And if that's not bad enough, then the guy who owns the junkyard later finds her and rapes her corpse. Yes. And there's there's no yakety sacks there. There's no joy to that scene. It is framed like a horror movie. Right. That's how yeah. it's shot. Yeah, they the look like zombies. The stark lighting, the high contrast, they look like zombies, they act like zombies, they pull her out and drag her off into the night to gang rape her. And the next time we see her, she's dead. And she's immediately fucked by the guy that runs this junkyard her corpses like it is the the specifically the way that violence against women is framed in this movie is troubling it's truly troubling and it's different than how violence against men is framed yeah i think so very different too i think it is framed differently and like i said you know um so there's your one scene in the movie where the penis gets cut cut off and it's by a crazy person um I don't think there's any other specific violence against men as as a gender, you know, or yeah, as a yeah. sex or whatever. Like it's like it's specifically against women by multiple characters. Whereas I, I know lots of horrible things happen to men in this movie, but it's of course, generally things happen to everybody. It's generally but. because they like drink, you know, acidic alcohol that yeah, melts the, their body the, yeah, the so toxic shit whatever it is yeah anyways we're at the scene that is i think probably it like the most thought out scene in yeah. the movie i want to say thoughtful but that sounds too too smart <laughs> too complimentary <laughs> um I, they thought about this scene before they wrote it is really what i'm trying to say and what it was is the younger brother got some cash because he was I don't know. He did something. And this guy, what's his name? Stinky? Wizzy. Wizzy. I think Wizzy. I don't remember. I think it's any Wizzy. Any of the characters' names. Um, the the black homeless man in the movie, he he takes the three dollars that the the kid got, and he's like, I can I can have us I can get us a big meal of of fried chicken and stuff off of this. And they're like, No, you can't. How how are you gonna do that with three dollars? And he's like, Watch me. And he goes to the grocery store, and I guess he just pockets the three dollars, and he steals right. all this food. And of course, an old lady sees him and goes to tattle, and to, goes to get the manager who's walking up right now. And they have a little dialogue here. And this is, I think this is probably my favorite. Like, besides the gore scenes, like the death scenes. Right, yeah. Like, as far as, like, a scene of dialogue in the movie, this is probably my my favorite one. And there's chicken falling out of his pants. Raw chicken is coming out of his pants. There's chicken in his pants. And there's, I don't know what the line is. He's about to say it. But, like, he tries to get away with it. Because before he walked into the store, he picked up a receipt off the ground. Right. And he hands him the receipt here in a minute to prove. He's like, well, I've already paid for this stuff. Here, look at my receipt. He's about to pull it out right now. And the guy's like, "Um, this receipt is for dog food. And that's chicken coming out of your pants. (laughs) Yeah. So it kind of helps that the delivery's not that good. It's just very dead deadpan. It's like, that is chicken coming out of your pants. (laughs) Yeah. And also, I mean, I like I like this character altogether. I like his his gas mask that he wears all oh, over the yeah, time. Oh yeah, yeah, I like yeah, all I like over it the place. A lot. Um, that it's just an. I feel like does they he survive put, the movie? He gets beat up at the end. He, he does almost get beat drinks up at the, the end. viper, but he doesn't. I think he does. I survive think he does the movie. survive. I think he does survive. I think he does. Good. 
Long live Wizzy. Yeah, because <laughs> I was worried he was going to die when we were watching. I was like, man, they put effort into this character and they're going to kill him off. He's um, awesome. Most of the other characters, the amount of effort is just what they look like. It's just like, oh, this guy's really fat and that's his character. Let's see, some stray notes from before that I missed. Um, I talked about the Evil Dead camera work. Um, I, I did want to ask, do you do you think that a fart counts as the first line of dialogue? <laughs> Does that count? Can we can we chalk this up as like the, the only film ever made that the first line of dialogue is a fart? I don't think farting is uh, uh, talking. So... No, I don't well, think that's a fart. A, that's a debate. That's a debate. Topic. Counts as. Do you that's think a, that, that a fart that is, counts that is, as dialogue? That is a. Uh, that is going to be a, a debate topic for Popcorn Poop's debate edition. When you when you work on a screenplay, do you um do you like type out the fart like as like you know yes. next to the character's yes. name? It's, it's spelled p p p p p p f f f f f f f p p p t t t t t t t exclamation point. Uh, right that's oh sure that's how you spell a fart in dialogue in, di- in dialogue <laughs> yes um because a fart is spelled a f-a-r-t so this this movie totally counts as an exploitation film absolutely oh yeah it's definitely an exploitation film i just wish it was a better one <laughs> well yeah yeah definitely but i mean really though like we it's really hard because we often have the conversation because we watch a lot of bad movies. So this is a conversation that comes up a lot when you have bad movies to watch. Um, as we often have the conversation about what were the goals of the film and did the film reach those goals? I mean, really when you're critiquing art, any art, not, not just films, but any art, you kind of have to consider that. That's like, you know, what were the goals of twilight? The goals of Twilight were to get a bunch of preteen girls to be really horny about vampires and and never really show any sex or anything like that. Like, those were the goals of Twilight, to just play the hot and bothered as long as you yeah. possibly can. And did it succeed in those goals? I mean, it made a fuck ton of money, so yeah. I guess so. Um, because everything else comes down to personal opinion. Um, I just want to ask, so we've got a coroner here. We're, we're talking to the coroner and the police officer uh, who are investigating the deaths. And the coroner's eating. Of course. On the job. Right. That's a, Next that's to the a, corpse. That's a trope now, right? Oh, yeah. But was it in 87? Maybe not. Maybe, <sighs> maybe not, not yet. Maybe not yet. But yeah, now, but now, now if, you, if you write your, your coroner scene and you have them eating something... I mean, that's something that you see in X-Files. That's the yes, second time yes. X-Files has come up. Yeah, in the, in, yeah I mean, there, but that's are, there that are some see. episodes there where, are some characters where, she'll, that, where Scully yeah. will we'll eat something. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I thought she wouldn't. I thought she would like be with someone who did, and she's just like, I don't know how you No, there's an, there's an episode I'm distinctly remembering. I can't remember the name of it. I'm a bad X-Files geek. Um, but, but there's an episode. It's one of my favorite ones, too. It's really funny. It's like the two of them are telling a story about something ha- that happened, but they both tell it very differently. And it's just fantastic writing. And I think it's in that episode where she's really hungry and she's got some pizza. And I think she's eating pizza while she's doing an autopsy. Um, 
or at least in the same room with it, or it's after somehow food is associated with it. But yeah, anyways, yeah, X Files does it too. A lot of shows do it. I'm sure Supernatural's done it at some point. Um, where I think it, I think it is at the point where it's a, it's a trope. Yeah, to answer your question. Um, one of the things that I noticed about this movie, it is an exploitation film. I feel like it counts as an exploitation film, but I feel like it's more in that realm of trauma exploitation than it is like the grindhouse era. Oh yeah. The heyday of this of, feels like a trauma with money. Oh, look at that shot right there. That's a great shot of the light coming shot. out of the car and the tire hut. Yeah. The camera work in this is good. Like, I think this is a good looking movie. Mm-hmm. It, the production design is good. It, I feel like the the crew who worked on this... Uh, the sets are good. The sets are good. I feel like the people who worked on this were very technically minded. You've got a very technically impressive movie right here. You know, you've got these little subtle camera movements. Why why move the camera in a, in a space this small? Why do that? But they're doing it. Right. I don't know. There's there's stuff like that that you can tell, like when the fact that this was directed by a guy who spent who spent his entire career as a camera operator and mm-hmm. a steadicam operator. He's a technically minded guy. That's what he right. does. That's what he does. Um, so naturally, the movie is kind of technically impressive. But as we talk about often, um, you know, for me, it, a movie can look great. It can sound great. It can have great acting. Um, but this if, the, if no, it doesn't. Um, but if the script isn't there, if the writing isn't good, then then for me, it's hard to ever say it's a good movie unless I'm watching it because I want it to be bad, which we do very frequently. Um, and and, f- and this is a case where I just feel like it, it hits that boring factor. It hits, which is the greatest sin in a horror movie or in oh, yeah, any kind of and exploitation we're, we're, we're movie in or slump something. Right here, like no one's gonna die for. Yeah, they're eating except, I mean, fucking the- dinner. <laughs> like, okay, I know you said candle, you were gonna it's, eat it's, dinner. There's candlelight. Yeah. There's candlelight, so it's 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 nice, right? And they drink some nasty what piss thing out of about? a container. I mean. They're talking about the cop. They're talking about how he's looking for. Well, they're they're talking about the cop because he's kind of in their neck of the woods now because he's investigating this murder or and, these murders, and, the, and he's and already the Viper stuff. I guess he's investigating. Yeah, and he's caught. Uh, he's apparently popped Wizzy like how many times did he say like sixty something times already, which is a pretty funny line. Um, but yeah, the next the next death in this movie is the gang rape. And then after that, I don't think we actually have a death until the Viper stuff pops back up. And oh, we, well, we'll have we some go, deaths right here in the Vietnam does flashback. It count? This is a, so this is like a dream sequence that, I mean, again, look at this. Like the sense of color in this movie mm-hmm. is, is very strong, very impressive. What does this take me back to? What is it? Uh, is it House? That it's making yes. me think of, yes. yeah. Where which we haven't actually covered. We did have house, we not done no, we house? Did house. We did house two. Oh uh, yeah, we did house two because house two is the superior of all the house films. Yes, I believe we actually did house two like right at one year ago. Yeah, I think we did it last April. Pretty yeah. sure. Probably because I probably picked it as a movie yeah, I that I wanted so. to do because it's a fantastic movie and I love it. Um, and if you haven't watched house two, it doesn't matter if you've watched house one or not. No, not at all. Not at all. House 3, which isn't really House 3. It's actually a movie called The Horror Show, but that's fine. And then it there's House sucks. 4. It's boring. Yeah. Also boring. 
Um, though House Four is the one with the pizza face. These vampires. So you've got like these Vietnamese vampires in this dream sequence that are like sucking his blood. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all of this reminds me of the stuff from how from the first house, which is actually like, it, if I recall, it's actually it like a, a good ha- horror movie. Not um, like not like good. But I it's don't like, love it. <laughs> no, I don't love it either. But. I like it a lot. Um, I don't love it like I love House 2. No, but there is some good stuff. Like the the wife who comes back and is gigantic. Oh, and You said the wife who. I thought you said waifu. And I'm like, <laughs> what? waifu? <laughs> Who's your waifu in that movie? Um, the weird soldier anyways, zombie? Anyways, there's, there's some fun stuff in that movie. And there are... Oh, repeated I think he found returns his to Viet, Vietnam. Yeah, I guess so. Another rape scene. We forgot. There's another rape in here. Oh my god, there is. Yeah, he he frees her and then he takes off his... I don't remember if he actually rapes her here or if he just prepares to. Uh, he prepares to and then there's like explosions in the background or something. Yeah, and of oh, course... Oh, he doesn't... Well, it's... Of course, it looks to be appear, appears to be consensual. Well, of course it's consensual because she re- she was rescued by him after you know she was probably raped by other people. Yes, that's so. Uh, the first thing that she's going to want to do is have sex with her rescuer. Take notes, neck beards. Uh, that's how rescue tokens work. That is rescue tokens. Rescue right tokens. You put the rescue tokens in, and the pussy pops out. It's true. <laughs> That's how it works. What have we watched recently? Where? Oh my God, we've done. We've said that in a couple of movies. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. We talk about the the rescue tokens all the time. Um, <clears throat> I do, and and I, I want to say that there are parts of this movie, and a, like the first part of this movie until it really slowed down, and before it got really, really just mean spirited, mm. and it gets there. It gets fucking mean. Um. I wanted to say that I was enjoying the movie, but the thing that I, the thing that I can't help, sh- I can't shake about this movie is that I know that it's the exact kind of movie that you know people who decry political correctness, mm. they would love the shit out of this precisely because it's trying to be provocative, because it's trying to. Yeah. Like there's in, there's in, obviously there's intentional racism and mono, uh, misogyny all over this fucking thing, right? Um, not to mention just the despicable acts that happen just on top. But at the same time, it's like you cut off a dude's dick and toss it around to Benny Hill music, and that's more slapstick than it is victimization, right? It's about it, mm-hmm. again, it's about the framing. Um, Whereas here we've got a woman who is so drunk she's puking behind a building, and he walks her home to. To rape her because it is rape. Yes, what he does. Right. Um, whether he doesn't actually end up raping her. Huh? He doesn't actually end up raping her. Yes, he does. I don't think he does. Does he? Oh, I yeah. guess they do. Yeah, 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 they do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He has sex with her. I mean, she she acts like she wants it the whole time, but again, she's completely drunk and doesn't know who he is. So. What about this storyline? We haven't talked about this. I guess this is where it comes up with this mafia guy. Okay, so this actor right here, he's an actor named James Lorenz, uh, who some of you might recognize if you're into shitty movies like B-movies. Uh, you might recognize him from Frankenhooker. You're talking about the doorman. Yeah, the right? doorman here. The actor's name is James Lorenz, uh, and he's probably probably 
made his most famous turn in Frank and uh, Frank and Hooker, the great Frank Henenlotter film. Um, and I believe that his entire part in this movie is improvised. You think so? Because these scenes just go on forever, for fucking ever. Yeah, they are interminable. The writer and thought he, these were so funny. They well, I, I don't know that there's there's any writing behind this. I I think that he just rambles and rambles and rambles. Well, somebody thought it was funny. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty sure that this is all improvised and it's just it never ends. Yeah. So well, explain have, what it is. About, though. They have about three. So on. the doorman. So basically, the doorman sees uh, Fred take the drunk woman out from behind the alley and doesn't really do anything about it. He just sees her walk by, and then apparently the the woman's husband, who's kind of a tough guy, like a wise guy, like a mafioso he's the, the or owner of the restaurant, right? Okay, yeah, but he's got that kind like of a, like New like York Italian mafia. mafia thing going on. And he comes out and he, you know, he accuses the doorman of not, you know, doing anything about his wife or his girlfriend or whoever who was just taken away. And he accuses him of, you know, basically being responsible and not taking responsibility for that. That's the thrust of that entire story. And we come back to them a few times. They have like three or four scenes in the movie, including the final scene of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and every scene that we come back to, it's just them arguing and the doorman and talking just, really fast just and, doing real and, real fast talking wise guy kind of shit and it's like you fucking you fucking didn't watch my wife and now she's dead and blah 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 and it's like, well i don't know what you're talking about i don't, I don't know, know. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't you know i wasn't yeah. even around that so i didn't even see it's, and it, that's the whole thing they just keep going back and forth talking about essentially nothing yeah yeah it's insubstantial dialogue so that i mean that's what makes me think it's improvised and it's fucking it's terrible yeah it is so, um, but somebody thought it was good because they do it so many times in this movie. Yeah, and here, so here's the part: <clears throat> Fred is taking the drunk woman home to his tire house, um, to have sex with her, and all of the other homeless people in the junkyard are like, "There's like fog machines here." I mean, just look at it; it looks like a horror movie. They're coming out from in between the cars and stuff. They're sneaking around. They look like zombies. They look like zombies as they're coming to... You can listen to the score. You can hear it mm-hmm. in the score, like the low rumbling score. You know, this it's shot is... shot like a horror movie right here. Yeah. And there are other moments in this movie that are shot like a horror movie too, but we're talking about specifically the rape scene and then and the gang rape I mean, I think to that, death I think scene. that this movie, you could count this as body horror, Um if only for like the 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 Viper storyline, mm. uh, and I think that people do consider this to be a body horror movie, but I don't I don't know. There's just not. What other kind of horror would you call this? Just I I don't know that I'd call this movie horror though. I mean, there is horror yeah. in the movie, but but I don't feel like that's the the point of this movie. I feel like this is I feel, I don't know. I don't know. It's comedy obviously. Comedy? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just it's just I feel like it's trying to be more artsy or something than it is. What? I think it is. I think it's trying to make like a like an an exploitative artsy kind of statement 
where where it's talking about homelessness or it's talking about I mean, ex- whatever. Exploitation. And, I mean, exploitation is a genre, right? So, like, if it's not horror and it's not really comedy, I feel like there's there is intentional. This is supposed to be intentionally comedic, and I feel like that this, this movie does try really, really hard. There's a to Ouija shock. board there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this movie does try really, really hard to shock the audience, obviously. Um, <clears throat> and there's there's just too much going on in this movie, and we'll see this especially. that It'll pick up after this terrible shit. Um, but there's a lot of, of time between story beats before we pick up with story beats and kind of get the next piece of each individual story. Um, to be th- to consider this kind of successful by any metric at all, I think. Um, I, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just I'm just saying I think that the movie is really truly a bad movie. Like in like it's a badly written, badly constructed film. Mm. Um, and I don't think it's in like that room kind of way either. No. I think it's more more like Sharknado. And I said this to you the other night. And I, you I, don't, I don't know about more like Sharknado. And no, of course it doesn't feel like Sharknado, but what I'm saying is that with Sharknado, they are trying to make a terrible movie. I don't think they're trying to make a terrible movie here, though. I, I do. think they're trying. No, I think they're trying to be shocking, and I think they're trying to do ridiculous stuff like cut off penises and throw them around. But, but I don't think it's in the in the effort of trying to make a terrible movie that they're doing that when they throw sharks around a tornado in a movie like Sharknado then it's because they're trying to be a bad movie no, they're, 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 but they're they're playing in excess they're that's what they're doing is they're trying to be excessive but i think that this one is that's, playing in shark- excess in in order to make some kind of point about society or something oh my god no it's not i it's, i think it is you're rolling your eyes and yeah i think it's fucking stupid too but i think are, that's what this is going we, i mean for. we talked about this at the beginning of the movie like i thought for a while that this was oh maybe this guy's named wizzy that's what i was thinking okay i think this guy is named wizzy man what's that other guy's name our favorite character. Before we get too far from it, though, I wanted to talk about the rape scene a little more, the gang rape scene. I think part of rewatching it again right now and seeing Bert, it, maybe Bert. I think it's Bert. Um, part of part of what I think makes that scene so uh, so problematic, I guess is how I can say it, is nice, is the nice, fact. Nice Tumblr word. Thanks. Um, is the fact that that she is sort of framed as the cause for the gang rape to death because of the fact that she keeps saying more, 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 please. I want more again, please more right. wanting to have sex again and wanting to have more sex. And so because she wants to have more sex, then she is, is it, it's when she's saying that while she's saying more, please that while well, she gets her more sex, as they pull oh, her Jesus. through, right? Do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, you saying I, that just made me sick to my stomach. Right, but I think that's part of why that scene is so... I mean, it's upsetting for multiple reasons, but why it stands out differently from from the other, um, the other hatred of other groups of people in the movie is because it's her fault that how the movie is framing it. I mean, obviously not, but... That's how the movie is framing it, is that the reason she's going to have more sex is because she asked for it. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. I, I didn't think about it like that, but yeah, I guess. 
Still terrible. R- right. No. Well, I mean, it, it's I'm even saying more that makes terrible. it more terrible. Yeah, more terrible. Yeah. Uh, in this scene right here, when Wizzy gets uh, gets arrested, we have, I believe, what is the only trans character in the entire movie. There are a couple of them here, though. A couple of them, maybe. Um, and I'm I'm just surprised they don't get shit on from you know eight ways to Sunday. Well, like you said though, this movie doesn't even really attack the homosexual community at all. No, not really. So uh, aside from some, I, I mean, there's aside some, from slurs tossed out, right? Here some and there. slurs, but like like we don't see anything happen to anybody or whatever. Um, which is what happens to all the other all the other two groups of people that they offend. I think that saying that you tried to offend everybody in, in this is stupid because <laughs> Native Americans aren't specifically offended in this movie. People from Alaska aren't we've, specifically no, we've, offended we've, in this we've, movie. We've already determined that it failed at that point. And, if, and, if, and that's, we've said this before. My metric for determining whether or not a movie is successful is does it succeed at what it's trying to do and then reconciling that with how much I personally enjoyed what it is doing and Right, because to do. we, we kind of cut short on the discussion of this, but it's difficult if I have learned anything about getting a master's degree in an art, um, it is impossible, you might even say, to, to uh, fairly critique art. Oh, yeah. Right, because... Because you're talking about opinion. Everything comes down to personal preference, personal opinion. It's like I pose to my students in class sometimes when we talk about what is art. And I talk about psychotic people who, you know, dismember their victims and then claim that it's art. And right. it's like, is it is it art? Is it art? Is it art? They say it's art. It's art to someone apparently as fucked up as it is. <laughs> so, so using that kind of word and, and evaluating uh, This art, shot right here was our hint and no one got it. Yeah, why? Well, hopefully that's great because it means no one watched. Very proud of you, pooplings. Very proud. Good job on not getting this one. One, Somebody listening out there was like, "I knew it, but I didn't want to say anything." (laughs) (laughs) But but so yeah, like evaluating art is difficult. So instead, what I try to do is I try to evaluate the goals of the art, and then also talk about my personal preference. And that's the only thing I can do. And I think in the goals of this one, did it succeed in its goals? The difficulty is we aren't really sure what the goals were. Uh, well, I mean, I feel it's like offensive. I feel like you should add that into to uh, you know critiquing a movie is are the goals clear? Number one, number two, did the movie meet those goals? And number three, how much did you enjoy the pursuit of the movies meeting those goals? That it made clear what those goals were. I think it fails at the very first one. I'm not sure what the movie's goals are other than to be shocking and provocative. But it is shocking and provocative, it is shocking so it succeeds and, in that. It is shocking and provocative, but, I mean, I consider, like, Lars von Trier's films are provocative. Lars von Trier makes provocative, thoughtful art films. This may be provocative, but I think it goes beyond provocative into just mean-spirited. And there's a difference, and there there is a line. And once you cross from provocative and thoughtful... I don't think you get to say there is a line for anything. (sighs) Okay, there's a gray area. There's always a gray area. But I feel like this movie does very much cross over into the mean-spirited zone uh, that makes this not fun to watch for me. Oh, I don't think it's fun to watch at all. I love... Except for the scenes that are... 
really awesome gore in this movie. I, I mean, and I can't stress this enough. I love gross shit. I love gross shit. I think that pulling off really good gross out stuff. Mm-hmm. John Waters film. I love John Waters films. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. I love Lars von Trier movies. It's not that I can't handle provocative films. Cronenberg. Fuck. Cronenberg's my favorite favorite filmmaker. Yeah, we were just watching Videodrome last night. Yes. And it's super gross. It's fucking amazing. This is not provocative. This is mean. And there's a difference. I don't enjoy watching this. No, I don't enjoy watching it. I mean, but there's, I, there's but parts again, of it, obviously. Again, but. I feel like the director might say that they didn't want you to enjoy watching it. In the, is in, that a, okay? Well, um, and and that might with be that in mind, one of the goals. That that in mind, did it, did it succeed in its goals? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's kind of like when people. Did I enjoy that pursuit? No, fuck no. When people get on, uh, 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 we have found that. It's sort of like the test for when we meet people to see if they're going to like the shit that we like, um, where we talk about Tim and Eric. and That is such a great litmus test, too, for, <laughs> especially for like sense of humor. Yeah. Like if, yeah. You, if you get Tim and, Eric, Tim and Eric, then we can be friends. Right. And so, <laughs> so sometimes we'll meet a new couple or something and, and we'll be like, okay, they like horror movies or okay, they like, you know, they're into, they're, they're on they the, like they're sci-fi on the right and whatever. And so, and so then we'll be like, but... Do you think they'd like Tim and Eric? And then, you know, either they have seen it or they haven't. Most of the time, people just haven't seen it. And then when we show it to them, it's like, we're waiting to see how they're going to respond. Because Tim and Eric is about sensing, understanding the goals of the people who are making it. right? Right. And it's one of those cases where the goals are specifically to unsettle and and make you feel awkward oh, yeah. and to make your audience feel as awkward as possible as you possibly can how long can we hold out this one note until people are just like am i supposed to still be watching this um and so so that for me is an example of like trying to upset your audience kind of and that's the goal of it, and it's fantastically done. And this is a case of, I think, trying to um, upset your ar- audience and just just f- fucking it up, <laughs> yeah. just ruining it. I mean, you upset your audience, but now no one's going to want to watch it. And this is the... Here's the dick scene. Famous... Can, you, can we say famous dick catch, catching scene? Bronson has just cut the dick off of a of a poor man who was peeing peeing. and now they're just they're gonna toss his dick around with this jaunty tune playing in the background and that's it this goes into the pile of scenes that mean fucking nothing in this movie yeah. If you were to break up this movie into individual scenes and you were to to create a pile that is uh, narrative, meaningful to the narrative, any narrative in the movie, and not meaningful to the narrative in the movie, your not meaningful pile is way, way too big. Way too big. Way, way, way too. I don't know. I don't. I would. I don't know if I would say that it's more than fifty percent. I don't know. It might be, but it's it's probably. I mean, close. but there are so many. The other thing about it, though, is that you you're talking about narrative, and you're talking about those. Um, I always call them like through stories, right? Where where you've got some element that's just carried out through the entire story, and yeah. and 
there are so many of them that some of them start in the middle of the fucking movie, like the one with the with the the doorman guy. Oh yeah, and the mafia guy that just started. Yeah, and we're like we're over an hour into this movie. Right, it starts like an hour in. Yeah. So so like you've got all these little. Like, are we including that? Are we including all the stupid improv scenes where they're talking all mafia to each other? Like, are we going to include that? I guess it's in, in, saying include that in the point, you know, it takes I mean, place the, in the narrative. The, the movie makes an attempt to tie all these things together by at least including one scene where characters cross over. So we've got in the next scene that we see the doorman and the mafioso. With the cop. The cop with the cop in. that's kind of following this whole thing around. But then we go back to them by themselves as though they were as though they were their own story, as though they were right. part of this movie. <laughs> it's like they're, but they weren't. <laughs> um, it's one thing to have like minor characters that that you bring up alone and then you bring them in with your major characters. Like that's that's one thing. But then to act like those minor characters have their own story when they don't. And great, yeah, have them have their own story. Develop your characters, flesh them out, please. Your audience will appreciate it. But but they don't in this movie. They just, they act like there's a story when there's not. They act like I care when I don't. You yeah. wanted to see these guys again, right? No, no, not, not, not really. really. <laughs> That's okay. You could have just ended 15 minutes sooner. That would have been fine. Okay. Yeah, so here's part of, again, why I don't understand if this is a fantasy world or not. Here's a cop who basically just told uh, other guys that he can't read. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I don't understand this world. Well, I mean, he... Is it post-apocalyptic? I don't know. I don't know. We are about to come up on a scene where he... Where the cop finds a hitman. And instead of arresting the hitman, he beats him up and then pukes on him. <laughs> That's right. He does and walks on him. away. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. arrest him. He beats him up and then and then uh, sticks his finger down his throat so that he can puke on him. Mm-hmm. Um, running out of things to say about this movie. And that was a problem that we knew we were going to have with this. There's only so many times you can say this movie's bad and pointless and it's got some good gore, but not enough of it. Like it, uh, it's yeah, it simply just doesn't have enough of the stuff well, that makes I really, this worth watching. I really, really think we're and right now we're in the scene with um with the cop and the and the doorman guy and the whole like gist of this scene is that the doorman's like saying really bad stuff about his mafia boss because I guess he thinks the cop's gonna protect him and then at the end the cop's like I'm not gonna protect you. It's just like I can't protect you of all, all hours of the day or something. And like that. then of course when we come back to them at the end of the movie it's. It's the doorman tied up, about to be tortured or killed by the mafia yeah, guy. Something. Um, and that's their whole story, isn't it? Funny, didn't you love it? Um, but yeah, I think what what I wanted this to be was I just wanted it to be about Viper. Yeah, that's all I wanted it yes. to be about. I wanted it to be in this weird sort of is this a post apocalyptic like, world? Like, what the, is this place with homeless thing. people all over the place and just this? poison getting passed around i I love the viper storyline so much i like that element of the movie so much that i'm tempted to buy the blu-ray of this simply because it has the it comes with a sticker oh it's a label for tenafly viper and you go buy a little 
a little thing of like dark liquor yourself and you replace the label and you make oh, your own. man. And I want that on my shelf. That's awesome. That's how much I love the Viper storyline in this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Viper storyline. And yeah, that's totally legitimate. How much is the Blu-ray? It like I, We could probably get it for 10 bucks. Okay. I mean, that's worth it for the sticker. I, yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's not worth it for the movie. No. No, it's not. Although I would like to see the special. The penis in HD. In Blu-ray? I, I do want to see the severed penis in, in, in yes, in 4K, actually. We should get the 4K, the Ultra okay. HD. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to probably see the special features on the DVD. Do you um, think it has the short film? Because I, 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 would I would like imagine to see it the does. short I'm not film. sure what all the special features are. I would imagine it does. If there are features on the effects in the movie, I mm. would like to see that. That's the kind of stuff that I like in this movie. All of this other shit that we're watching right now that has nothing to do with Viper. It doesn't have any gore. It's just either boring or pointless or mean-spirited. I don't want to watch that shit. That's most of this movie. I, I would I would I haven't but seen yeah, the short the, film, but I would throw a bet out there that the short film is much better than the feature length. Movie. I mean, but that's the whole that's the whole thing we keep coming back to is that the Viper storyline is cool, but I mean we haven't said shit about it in a while, have we? Because it's no. not happening. Yeah, where the fuck it is happens, Viper? It happens at the very beginning of the movie where you've got this weird liquor that starts melting people and it happens two times at the beginning of the movie. And then we just forget about it and we forget about it and we, and it's like, you guys really care about watching these homeless people rape people, right? You really care about that, right? You want to see the crazy Vietnam guy kill people, right? And I'm like, no, not really. No, actually, I don't. Actually, I don't care about any of that. I just wanted to see, I mean, I was watching this because it was going to be trash. No pun intended. And <laughs> and I was watching this because it was going to be trash and because I was going to get to see some gory deaths. And you just took all the gory deaths out of the whole meat of this movie. And and it's going to be left until the very end of the film where then we start getting some another couple great melting scenes. Even though they, they sort of pull back on the end too. Remember one of them... The very last one they don't even show oh, us. Oh yeah, the the one where the the mafia boss mm-hmm. gets it drinks the viper. We don't get to see that one. Oh god, the fight choreography so, so bad. bad. So we've got the cop fighting the hitman that went after Fred. Went after Fred. Why did he because go after Fred? Fred raped that woman. He took her home from the oh that's right that's right place and it was the girlfriend or the date or whatever of the mafia guy. I don't know how they found Fred or figured out that it was her. Small town. Whatever. So the cop beats up the hitman in a terrible, terribly choreographed fight scene, takes him over to the urinal, and you think, oh, he's going to pee on him, right? Nope. No, he's he, going to he puke on, on him. him. And then he just walks away, kicks him and walks away. And flushes the urinal. Is that justice? <laughs> Is that how we define justice in this weird and possibly recently apocalyptic world? And takes his gun. Um, here's something that will surprise no one. The guy who plays Bronson, his name is Vic Noto, he was cast one day before principal photography commenced. And he did not know, this is a quote, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, nor did I ever understand who Bronson was. I did scene by scene, not even knowing what the movie was about. I didn't read the script until three months 
after we wrapped. Oh my god. I still don't know who Bronson was. Street trash, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Here's is that how all the characters are? Is that how all the actors feel about this movie? I don't, I don't. Yeah, no. I yes, yes. It would make sense to I me would, if they did. I would venture to say sure. Why not? Um Here's another piece of trivia that was on IMDb, and this is one that you see a lot in movies that are, like, especially dirty, but it says the word fuck is spoken 128 times in this movie. Oh, I did not feel that if that's the case. If that's the case, I didn't feel that, but at the same time, who fucking cares? That's oh, that's that also that. That's the kind of trivia that you hear about, like, oh, the South Park movie, they say fuck and variations on the word fuck so many times. okay. How, how many times do they say variations on the word shit or damn or what? Like, who cares? There are like, there are at least two rapes in this movie, right? That's a, mm-hmm. that's a thing. Yeah. Let's, let's tally those, right? And, because an, that's, and, an, and another attempted rape. Right. That's substantial. And then fucking a corpse. Who cares how many times a movie has the word fuck in it? How no many times cares. does our episode have the word fuck in it? Oh my god, I'm I'm sure that we've beaten that in an episode before. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, so the woman, and this is going to make this seem uh, even worse, but the woman who played the woman who was gang raped to death, her name or the actress's name was Miriam Zucker, and she was apparently brutally attacked by thugs. This is thugs, as in IMDb trivia. He says thugs brutally attacked by thugs in a New York City subway station several years before making this film. The attack left her partially deaf and with a large scar on her scalp. The scene where her character is attacked and gang raped by homeless men in the junkyard brought back feelings of fear and dread she Hmm. felt during the incident. Awesome. Good job, movie. Wow. Good job. Um... One of the guys, Mike Lackey, who's apparently also in the film. I don't know who he plays, though. Uh, He created... Oh, Mike Lackey plays Fred, this guy right here. Um, He made the penis. Oh. He made the prosthetic penis, and he made it in three different sizes. Mm -hmm. Uh, The little one, which he dubbed the pecker. The medium-sized one, which he dubbed the poker. And the big one, which he dubbed the packer. The pecker, the poker, and the packer. That's right. Okay. Which one did they use for the movie? I Probably all of them. Probably for the wide shots, they used a bigger one, so it would show up better on camera. Hmm. I guess. I imagine for when, when he's actually peeing, it's a smaller one, and then when it's in the close-ups, it's probably the medium one. I'm not sure. Not sure. Um, this guy that plays the cop here, his name is Bill Chappell? 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 Uh, he was a real... New York City police officer before making this movie. Oh, yeah? Do you believe that? I mean, I I have no reason not to. I have no reason not to believe it. I mean, he doesn't seem like a real actor, so... (laughs) Well, he's certainly not an actor. (laughs) (laughs) So, sure, he's a real cop. Um, I'd like to ask him if he ever puked on someone (laughs) in the line of duty. Have you ever puked on someone in the line of duty? How about this? We haven't talked about this weird relationship. Oh, this, the relationship between Bronson and his... And his woman who only wears... Junkyard wench. Panties. I, what, what, what would you call her? 
junkyard wench. I mean, that's pretty. She wears panties and a bra that's way too big for her. The panties are way too big for her, too. And you know what? Like, if you're going to make a movie about people that are filthy, dirty, covered in grossness and don't take baths and shit like that, at least go the extra mile and make their teeth look gross because Mm, everyone in this movie has perfect, beautiful, pearly white teeth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you are right about that. Um, unsurprisingly, the producers were unsuccessful in getting product sponsorship for the film. <laughs> the only company that was interested was the manufacturer of Drake's Cakes, which would send the cast and crew a box of snacks every week. Oh, that's nice. By the end of the three-month shoot, everyone had eaten enough of the snacks, and when it came time to make the scene where the fat bum explodes, that's toward the end of the movie, mm-hmm. the fake stomach was filled with boxes and boxes of Drake's Cakes. <laughs> they used it as part of the part of the gag. Um, so the cop's going to die. Yeah. We've got the showdown between the cop and Bronson, which ends the cop's storyline. And it's so weird because you're just like, what was the point of the cop in the movie? Yeah. There was no, what was the point? No point. I mean, we've been following this cop around for not the whole movie, but closer to the beginning than a few other plot lines. Um, and we've been following him around, and they're the only one who they bothered to even give a backstory to. They explained something about like where he worked before and getting transferred here and him not following the rules and whatever, um, which would explain the puking on people, I guess. Um, and maybe maybe he has like an anger management problem or I don't I don't know what it is, but they they actually oh, and we pee on a corpse here. All right. Um but so they they actually give the cop a backstory and we have multiple scenes with him and then we just kill him and it's just like i'm not even sure what he was looking for was he looking for the mafia guy's girlfriend was he was he trying to follow around the viper stuff or was he trying to find bron i guess he was trying to find bronson cuz he said his name a lot and and that was because bronson beat that guy's head in at the car wash I guess. I think we just missed the greatest line in maybe any movie ever. Oh, yeah? Uh, Fred walks in, points at the liquor store um, uh, clerk, the Francis Ford Coppola-looking motherfucker, and he says, Fuck you. Give me a bottle of booze. Here's my dollar. Suck Suck my my dick. dick. Screenwriting 101, folks. And then the liquor guy responds with, Here's your booze. Suck your own dick. (laughs) Fuck you. Give me a bottle of booze. <laughs> it is kind of funny. It is kind of funny. It's a little Fuck bit funny. Fuck you. Give me a bottle. Like of that's how you how you walk up to someone at a store and ask for something is starting with fuck you. Fuck you. Where's the mayonnaise? Fuck you. Give me some mayonnaise. Here's my dollar 50. <laughs> no mayonnaise costs a dollar 50. Only the good stuff. <laughs> So uh, we are finally at the point in the movie where... Viper is back. Viper's back. He, he walks in, says, fuck you, give me a bottle of booze. We got Viper back in the movie, and this movie becomes watchable again. Right. So where this is a really great scene um, where we've got the two homeless dudes on either side of this junk barrier, and Fred is one of them, and Fred who I guess is our protagonist or is close, close to it. To, we as start you're the movie get, with him. Right. Yeah. Um, he, 
He's about to drink Viper, and we've seen him many times be about to drink Viper, but then it gets stolen or something happens, whatever, and he's about to drink Viper, and on the other side, this other homeless guy is about to drink Viper and does, and we're watching him convulse. He's doing some good body acting here, I think, with the convulsing. Yeah. Um, so we've got a very, very Monty Python-esque mm-hmm. death here, I would, I would say. Would you agree? Oh yeah, absolutely. Of course, that's what me made me what it made me think of. Um, is the the great the restaurant man skit? Yeah, just one mint or whatever. Um, and here it's Viper, and it puffs out this guy, and he explodes. That's beautiful. Lovely. That is fantastic, and slow mo, slow mo explosion. Not he bad. does he does get a lot of it dripped on him there with no consequence though, so they're not really following the rules. That's true. Oh well no look look no he's saying Al. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Yeah, there's a Good. Good. Logic there's, there's, there's consistency to the movie's rules. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh Yeah, no, that explosion was fantastic. It was beautiful. Um, I think that if you want to make a movie around s- surrounding Viper with that as kind of the main thrust of the movie, I think the of the worst thing the movie could do is what it did, and that's just abandon the plot until the very end of the movie. I think there you should have had more of a focus on Fred trying to scrounge up a dollar to buy another bottle of Viper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that should have been the whole the whole thing. Like I know he it's tries like, a like little he, bit, right, but he, he, gets he doesn't a, really try. Right, he gets a bottle in the beginning, and it gets stolen, and we see what it does to the person who stole it. And then he spends the rest of the movie trying to get that money together. Meanwhile, other people are getting bottles of Viper and maybe he just narrowly misses a chance to drink it. And he's, you know, depressed and blah, blah, blah. And he's trying to get his money together, gets his money stolen. It's kind of a, a comedy of errors, so to speak. Um, and we watch all of these other people become victims of this terrible liquor substance, Mm -hmm. this toxic, nasty shit. Um, while he's doing everything his, he can to get his hands on some because he doesn't realize right. what it is. And then he finally gets his hands on some at the end, and this is where we pick up, and you know he sees what it's actually doing. And tries to give it to his enemy, which right. is what he did here, is he tried to give it to this guy. But um, his friend came up to help him. I forget. What's his friend's name? The guy who put chicken in his pants. Bert? Bert. Is it Bert? Maybe? I don't know. I don't remember. Um... I thought you called him something else at the beginning. But yeah, so so Bert tries to help him, which of course he's like, no, because he doesn't want to be helped because he wants the other dude to steal his alcohol so that he can watch him die, which is really awful. But, um, but, but yeah, you know, so it we've results got, in a great in a great. We've got scene. Wizzy drinking this, and now Wizzy's going to die. Is this die? the best death? Which is the best Viper Ooh. death? The toilet one at the, the beginning. The toilet is really, one's really, really good. good. The first one's really good. This one's really good too. Yeah, this is a great death here too, where he drinks the Viper and he's gonna just melt into the wall. Pretty much is what happens. He's puking and shit. And it's so colorful. Like that's the thing I love about the deaths in this movie is that they're all it's in primar- primary primary colors and, and purple and oh, orange. Look at that. Oh, digging yes. into his chest. Digging into the chest is fantastic. It's yeah. good shit. 
they're they're really colorful like the goo that comes out of them is super colorful and that's really fun had the movie and so we just came off of a viper death we're right into another one had the movie had even remotely like this like close to this frequency of of gory deaths this would be a very very fun watch oh yeah but as it stands it's not this movie's barely watchable just lovely right there and he just slurps into a pile this is a part of a subgenre of horror films called melt movies are you being serious yeah oh that's a thing to say melt movies yeah melt movies huh what's another melt movie i don't know what would count because i haven't like looked at a list um I mean, just think of another movie where it has where, melting Where people effect. sort of melt. The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure, like a lot of the trauma movies. I'm sure that yeah. like the, the Toxic Avenger anything movies. anything where people are spraying acid on other people. Yeah, the Toxic Avenger movies probably count as melt movies. Sl- sl- uh, the slime or the stuff. The stuff. The stuff. Yeah, the stuff probably counts. Yeah, maybe the Blob. The, the up the newer blob movies where like the blob is also like uh, acidic or something i don't know if i've seen the newer blob movies isn't there a newer blob that like the one there was they, they made one in the 80s where the blob is like acidic probably oh look and here's another one oh, did yeah, we miss the fancy camera work there's this fancy like camera flip move that they do oh, yeah this right here yeah totally unnecessary but i mean Talking about a movie made by a camera operator, so he's going to do some funky shit. Yeah, he does a cool little flip thing there. Cool. I don't know if that's the right <laughs> word. Um, but yeah, so so this one's the, the very very basic melting death, but but still still a death by Viper. Um, apparently, Brian Singer. I don't, have we done any Brian Singer movie? Oh, we just did one. Uh, Superman Returns. Oh, okay, yeah. Superman Returns. He was a production assistant on this movie. Really? Yeah. Little baby Brian Singer hmm. was a PA on this piece of shit. <laughs> Here's Bronson burying the cop under stones and carving a new knife bone out of, we can presume, the cop's The, the cop's bone, bone, probably. More flashbacks to probably Vietnam. Yeah. Um... Let's see. So this movie, let's talk about the history of this movie a little bit. We're getting close to the end and running out of things to talk about, of course. Uh, this movie was given a limited release theatrically in the United oh, States. Oh, there's him cutting off the person's leg to make his bone. Oh, wow. That's nice. Gross. Um, so this this was a theatrical film in America, but it was limited. Uh, and it was distributed by Lightning Pictures in June of 1987. Uh, and they also released this movie on VHS later that same year. And then in 2005, Synapse Films marketed an all-new digitally remastered version of the film. Uh, and like I said before, included with the DVD version of the movie, there were labels for the the Tenafly Viper stuff. Uh, uh, and then in 2006, there was a second release by Synapse Films uh, featuring the documentary. There is a documentary uh, called Meltdown Memoirs. Uh, and the documentary is by the screenwriter, Roy Frumkus. Uh, it also has interviews with most of the surviving cast and crew, 
Does that imply that they died making the movie? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Interviews with most of the surviving cast and crew, with the exception of Jane uh, Arakawa, who plays Wendy. Um, And it actually also contains the original 16 millimeter short version of Street Trash. So all that stuff is on I, the se- at least the second DVD re- release, and I imagine that it would have made it over to the Blu-ray. And I know the Blu-ray also comes with the uh, the stickers. So that might and and this is this is a, a weird case in which I would probably buy the Blu-ray for everything except the movie. Yeah, right. Because why would you watch this again? I wouldn't, but I kind of want to know how they did some of the effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to know what it's like, what it was like to make a movie like this. And I want that fucking Tenafly Viper label. <laughs> right. But so, I, would, I would want it to be accurate. I would need a dark liquor in a green glass mm-hmm, in that shape. Yeah. What are they called? They're called like pocket, uh, pocket bottles or something with a red cap. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's essential. It has to be specifically that. Um, and then here we get another Viper death. She's, Oh, they're coming she's back gonna, to back now. She's going to drink some Viper here. The 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 girl who is Bronson's Stephanie, girl. I think I think her name is Stephanie. Um, is that right? And this is this is a fun one too. Her boobs start spraying spraying the ooze. She's ripping off her boobs and stuff. Ugh. Oh God, it's so yeah, cool. That's the pus. nice. Oh, her the pus hand like out. going inside her boob. Oh Jesus! Pretty fantastic. <laughs> it's really nasty. <laughs> See how joyful this is. See, this is this is how you do it, right? Mm-hmm. Just ditch the fucking gang rape and shit. Like, the movie doesn't need that stuff. That's great, right there. Great, rubbery and gross. Pretty awesome. Um, and then, but but we're gonna. Oh man, look at that shot. That's awesome. Her just melted that up was a great that. shot i think i'll probably use that when i post this um and then here we've got this weird gonna go have sex scene where we just saw the little he's not a little boy but the younger brother i think having he's, a think conversation with wendy and then sticking his hand su- up her skirt right he's supposed to be younger than i think he appears to be that's what i think the movie is going for but man this Poor woman. Uh. I, fe- I feel sorry for the actresses in this movie that are, that, you know, wanted to, <laughs> were probably out in LA just trying to make a career and this is what they got cast in. And it's like, I mean, you go, you go to the IMDb page for Street Trash. His expression when he sees her boobs, he's like, what? <laughs> well, boobies. <laughs> Breasticles. I like, I like your chesticles, lady. Um, you just go to the IMDb page for Street Trash and look at the cast and not a single one of the main cast members <clears throat> has a portrait on IMDb, which is like your first clue that they haven't done a whole lot with their career. Mm-hmm. You have to scroll down until you see the doorman played by James Lawrence mm-hmm. before you see a picture. And what else was he in? Uh, Frankenhooker. Oh, that's right. And then after that, you've got someone named Colin DeRuin who plays concerned businessman or something like that. Like there are a grand total of like four, 
four, five, six, half a dozen out of all the people that are that are cast in this movie. And again, the cast is way too big. Um, there are only like half a dozen portraits on IMDb, which goes to show that you don't come away from a movie like this <laughs> and expect a career to come out of it. I mean, you might have one, but um, our director, Jim Murrow, <clears throat> he has had a career, of course, in steady cam operation mm-hmm. uh, and camera operation. Like, like we said, he's been working up until as recently as uh, I think last year, actually, he was in something or he, he worked on something. And I think that he's actually doing something next year. Uh, actually, yeah, he's got something this year. Uh, he was a steady cam operator for a, a movie called The Devil in the Deep Blue Sea. Uh, before that, he worked on a movie in 2012, 2010, 2007. He was an uncredited steady cam operator for Rush Hour 3. Um, second unit director, uh, second unit uh, director of photography for Miami Vice. Um, so he's worked, like he's had a career, but this is the only feature length film that he's ever directed. And aside from that, he's managed to direct like a couple episodes here and there of TV, but he didn't actually get behind the camera as a director uh, after this. So this was in 1987, of course. Mm. He didn't get behind the direct, uh, the camera as a director again until 2013. And he directed one episode of a TV show called Shameless. Did seven episodes of a TV show called Southland, two of The Red Road, one of The Brink, seven of Longmire, one episode of Wicked City, and apparently he's doing directing one episode of the Rush Hour uh, TV show that they're producing right now. The Rush Hour TV show? Yes. Yes, that's a thing, uh, apparently. Good. I don't know when it comes out. It's supposed to start this year. Man, this segment is so stupid and I don't care. Bronson is just chasing the younger brother. If you don't have the joy of watching this film with us, if you don't have access to street trash, if you don't have the privilege, the privilege of watching street trash along with us, um, yeah, Bronson, the the Vietnam vet, is chasing around the younger brother because um, he was going to have sex with Wendy. Well, Bronson's whole emotional thrust in this movie, besides having obvious PTSD and being like a just a violent person and mm, yeah. uh, a, a, you know an abuser of women, an abuser of human of all humans. of all humans uh, that he comes in contact with, a murderer, just a terrible person in general. Um, he also has feelings for Wendy, which if he is such a terrible person that rapes and kills. Uh, unapologetically why hasn't he why hasn't he done anything to wendy until now yeah i don't know but he hated fred too and i don't remember why why did he hate fred fred owed him money they started that whole thing off where they talked about like fred owing him money and remember in the very beginning fred stole some money from wheezy or something like that maybe yeah and that's where like bronson came into the movie I don't know. And and I'm just like, why does he need money? How is why does anybody owing him money matter? Because he lives in the junkyard? Is he are they like paying, you know, some sort of like rent or something to him, like protection money or like you have to pay a toll to live here? I don't know. They don't explain. It doesn't matter, I guess. Who really cares? But but he's after Fred in this movie for no reason and then he's after the younger brother for no reason. <laughs> 
I like how he clearly threw a bottle of Tenafly Viper at him, and mm. then when it breaks on his neck, it's like some kind of pottery, like clearly a softer, breakable material, because it like explodes and dust comes out, and it's obviously kind of chalky. Mm. <laughs> I feel like there should have been more damage there from the Viper being thrown. Now, the real damage gets done when you drink it. But yeah, and then like, you know, we're getting to the end of the movie here. Thank and, God. And the, the final, I have to say, the final death is... Pretty awesome. Pretty fucking awesome. It's not really the final death, though. It's not... Te- the final the death final, we don't even see. The final on-screen death, because okay. apparently, <clears throat> apparently we need another scene with the doorman and the mafioso, so... Fuck it. Um, so right here, though, this is great. So Bronson and Fred are at it, and they're they're fighting, and uh, the younger brother has fallen into a tire pit where he has an air tank at his disposal, and he's just going to rocket it off because science, I guess. Um, because he has a degree in physics, and that's that's a plot point they forgot to let us know about, but that would have helped a lot in believing not that we need to believe <laughs> oh fantastic that's just great i love that the, so the the head that comes down watch this it's like out of the focal range <laughs> but it's fucking beautiful yeah, it that shot right there was unbelievable Where the head, so what happens is the air tank like rockets right into bronson's head it sort of like just into below his, his chest yeah, yeah into his chest and it takes his head off and leaves, you know... Like this gaping cavity, like this valley of, of his shoulders and stuff. Between his shoulders. And it's all in slow motion. And you see just like him standing there, just kind of waist up, and this valley of gore. And then in the background, out of focus, because of course it's out of focal range, you see his head kind of drop down between... In, into the spot where it would have been. Right. Um if it had landed back on the body. It's right. very but nice. It, but it it's falls beautiful. down behind him. It's a it's a great shot. <laughs> Again, this is a very well-made movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Like as far as like technically it's well-made. Um narratively leaves a lot to be desired. Performance-wise, lot lot to be desired. And we um, get, and that's it. Yeah. And then we've got this little so we got our title and while they were running around Bronson screamed you little street trash at some point so we got our We did get a titular line. Got our line in there. And then here we got we saw the title card but then we have this little gift of a epilogue gifts from heaven. Um where we've got the the restaurant mafia guy and the doorman guy and the doorman guys tied up and and they're probably improving again and Definitely just are. saying some stupid pointless stuff that doesn't matter. But the mafia special, that that credit there, special makeup artist Mike Lackey. Special means dick maker. <laughs> that's what that's what that means. <laughs> um But so they just talk and talk and the mafia guy's gonna reach into his pocket and find a bottle of viper and then he's gonna drink it. Um, and die off screen. And die off screen. Such a waste. Did they run out of money? Did they film this later and they were just like, oh, we should do one more scene with them at the end? No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. You should have left it on the cool death scene. Um, but yeah, so I have nothing else to say about this movie. This was a mistake. <laughs> it was a mistake and it's totally your fault. 
It is totally my fault, but I just, I just from reading about the movie, I just assumed it would be kind of perfect to do on the show. But there's just not a whole lot to talk about in the movie except for how bad it is. Yeah. <clears throat> and how good very specific things about the movie are. Because it really excels at very specific things that we've gone into great detail about. But overall, I think it's kind of a failure. And it's not really fun to watch. That's the bi- that's my biggest problem is for most of this movie, you can fast forward through most of this movie. I think it's totally worth it if you're, if you're into <sighs> horror and you like good practical effects gore, then definitely get this and just fast forward to the death scenes and... Um, and you know, catch those the viper death scenes is what I really mean. Is and the is and the fine problem is is that they just they're great. They simply don't happen frequently enough to to warrant watching this movie top to bottom. Yeah, yeah. You fast forward to the good parts seriously. At the beginning and at the end, um, and the rest of it's just honestly not worth it. It's honestly just boring. Yeah. Uh, and tedious to get through. And mean. And mean. But it's over now. Thank God. Um, <laughs> I, I guess if you don't have anything else to say, I, I thought I was going to love this movie and I don't. It's, I just don't. But we've gone into detail about why that is and I guess that's it. Do you have any final thoughts on Street Trash? No, I just don't want to watch it again. Okay. That's my final thought on right, Street then. Trash. All right, then. We'll get the Blu-ray, though. Well, for the sticker. For the sticker. And we'll, we'll, we'll post the, uh, our, our creation of the, our own bottle of Tenafly Viper on our social media whenever that happens, but it probably won't be anytime soon. Anyway, that'll bring us to the end of another episode of the Popcorn Poops podcast. As always, you can find us on our website at popcornpoops.com. You can uh, subscribe to our show on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Popcorn Poops. And individually, I am at Dusty Cram Cram. And I'm at Jake Casper Kramer. Uh, you can also like our Facebook page and our social media is the best place to follow the show and keep up with announcements and all that good stuff and to uh, to participate in our weekly movie still identification game which again is a whole lot of fun no one guessed this movie this week like I said but that's a good thing so right yeah. so, so good job for not being intimately uh, familiar with street trash no good job that's good for you um, you can also shop on our website for merchandise branded with popcorn poops if you want to show your poop pride and and tell the world that you are one of our pooplings uh, you can also donate to the show there's a button on the website and if you want to receive a free audiobook uh, you can go to audibletrial.com slash popcorn poops and sign up for a uh, uh, subscription free subscription um, and that's a 30-day trial and once that subscription uh, goes up then you can still keep that 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 audiobook that you got for free forever isn't that so exciting? No strings. No strings whatsoever. So go do that. Um, we also like to highlight a friend of the show every single week. And this week we would like to bring your attention to Cinematic Randomness, which is a website. And you can find them at cinematicrandomness.com. Uh, if you are a podcaster, webcomic artist, or YouTuber, or any really any kind of online content creator, and you're interested in becoming one of our poo pals and getting shout outs on the show and on social media, please contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email us at contact at popcornpoops.com. Uh, next week, we're still in hashtag 1987 month. What are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching a much better film that I... I really, really love. It's one of your favorites. It is one of my favorite movies. Next week, we are watching uh, Tabor Takox's 1987 film, The Gate. 
Excellent. Awesome. I knew that we would do an, an actual horror movie at some point. This is, I guess this counts kind of. Mm, kind uh, of. Kind of. We're doing an actual horror movie, and I'm very excited about that. So uh, I guess that's all for this week. So until next time, take care. Bye-bye. We are the popcorn.